Good morning, everyone. Uh, it is awesome to hear the testimonies, powerful testimonies of God um, redeeming a lost world, reaching out and redeeming people not just spiritually, but also physically in other ways as well. You know, in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, Jesus says, um, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come to give life and life to the full. We're beginning a new series this week um, called Being Healthy, and that is exactly what we want to explore. What does this full, abundant life look like? We just heard that um, a powerful testimony of God not just ministering to people physically, but also wanting to minister to people spiritually and in a holistic sense. Now that's what we want to explore in this series. What does this full, abundant life look like? Not just spiritually, but also how does Christ in us, with us, affect our relationships, our thought patterns, our habits, and maybe even our physical health? That's what we want to explore in this series. So today, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about our spiritual health, because everything really stems from this, from our spiritual health, our life with Christ. So what does it mean to be spiritually healthy? There are two truths that we need to wrestle with today. Okay, and depending on where you're at, these truths may be hard for us to wrestle with, or maybe there have been truths that we've known before or maybe forgotten for a very long time. So before we begin, let's pray. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I pray that you will bring us to full, holistic spiritual health. Oh Lord, there may be areas in our lives, oh God, that um, are, are sick. Maybe there are areas in our spiritual life that are not that healthy, or maybe we're unfit and weak in certain areas. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you bring us to strength, oh Lord. So God, I pray that you speak to your church, you purify your bride, oh Lord, and your word. May your, may your word go forth and bear much fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The first truth that we need to wrestle with and consider is that firstly, we are all born sick. We're all born sick. We're talking about spiritual health. First thing we need to agree on is that we're all born sick. Luke chapter 5, verse 30 and 32, it says, but the Pharisees and teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I think this is probably one of the most countercultural perhaps even the most offensive messages that we can present to our culture and society today. The fact that you are born spiritually deficient. There is something in us when we are born that is not good enough. Romans 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single person on this earth was born spiritually unhealthy, Unable, unable, incapable of living the perfect, righteous, Christian, uh, good life that is pleasing to God. And this is because of the presence and power of sin in our lives. This is the sickness that we're all plagued with. It's called sin. And it makes us in, unable to live this perfectly good life before God. And this is one of the fundamental starting points of the Christian faith. In fact, you cannot be a Christian you cannot call yourself a believer without first becoming convicted that this is true. 
In fact, for many people, the moment this truth sinks in is the moment that they encounter the Lord. Now, why is this so important? Because it's only when you realize you have a problem that you're gonna look for a solution. It's only, it's only when you realize that you are sick that you're gonna be looking for a doctor. See, the issue the Pharisees and the teachers of the law that we just read about in Luke chapter five was that they mistook their good behavior for spiritual perfection. Were they good? Oh, they were very good. They were very obedient to the law of God. But the problem was not that they were good, not good. The problem was that they mistook their goodness and their good behavior for spiritual perfection. They thought that was good enough for God. Let me put it this way. Have you ever seen a young child try to clean themselves? A toddler try to clean themselves? Have you ever seen that before? Let me describe it for you if you've never seen it before. Um, they'll be, after their meal, they'll be full of food, right? You wonder how much food they actually ate because it's covering their body, right? It's all their face, it's on their hands, it's on their shirt, it's on their toes, it's even on their bum. How did they get there? I have no idea, right? It's a mystery. And they're covered with food and you offer to clean it to them. Now, if they're at this stage where they're trying to exert their independence and will, they will usually refuse your help and snatch that towel away from you, right? And they'll attempt to clean themselves. Now this is very interesting. It redefines the whole idea of cleaning yourself, right? What they'll do is they will take the towel and they'll sweep the food from their hands, flinging food across the floor, across the table, right? And now the food is removed from their hands, but it's all over the place, right? And then after they have cleaned themselves, they will lift up their hands and proudly declare, all clean. And you come and look at them and you see, yeah, the hands may be free of food, but it's still covering their face. It's all over their shirts, on their pants, on their toes. It's still on their bum, right? They're still not very clean. See, this is what we do just on a much more severe scale, right? We, we donate to charity. We sometimes go to church or maybe you call yourself religious or maybe you call yourself spiritual. You are loving to your family, to your friends. You're a nice person. You don't cheat people. You don't deceive people. You're a diligent worker, right? Or you're a good boss. And we do all these things and it's like we lift up our hands before God and go, all clean. See, I have had this conversation with people before, many times, in fact, that they, they, they argue with me that they don't need to be a Christian. They don't really need God to be a good person. And that's partially true, actually, because you don't need to be a Christian to be a nice person. You don't need God in your life to be a loving parent, to be a nice person on the street, to be polite. You don't need God to be nice. But here's my gentle pushback against the idea. I think we have lowered the quality of what we consider good. Just like a young child's idea of clean is not really clean, our idea of good is not actually good. Isaiah chapter 64 verse six says, all of us have become like one who's unclean and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, like filthy rags before God. If only our child would allow us to clean them would they be actually, truly clean? And if only we would allow Jesus to clean us, would we 
be truly clean. And that's why it says, we just read Romans 3, 23, right? The next verse says this, right? It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and, and, all are justified freely by His grace through the, through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. This is the good news. And they come together, right? The good news of the cross of, that Jesus Christ brings is that you are not good enough. And He is. And He is. And He has bought the right. He has paid the price to be able to clean you up. He has bought the price, paid the price to have the cure for your sickness of sin that He freely gives you today. We are all born spiritually sick, dirty, dead in our sins, but Jesus offers to clean us up, cure us, and revive us from dead to life. And so at this point, we need to make a very important distinction, right, between being spiritually sick and spiritually unfit. Before I go into my second truth that we need to consider, we must make this important decision between being spiritually sick and spiritually unfit. There is a difference. See, if we are physically sick, right, there's sometimes, or with a disease, there's sometimes we need, we, we cannot cure ourselves. We cannot get better on our own. We need treatment. We need medication. We need a doctor to come and treat us to bring us from health, from sickness to health. Now, when it comes to being unfit, there is no special medication to make us fit. I wish there was, right? But there isn't, right? You can't take a magical pill and suddenly be strong. You can't do that. The only way to go from unfit to fit or weak to strong is by exercise, right? Working out. You need to train your body to go from unfit to fit. And this is the difference, okay? When it comes to our spiritual health, we oftentimes get these two confused, right? So we have people who try to work and earn our place in God's kingdom. We try to prove to God that we are worthy of His grace and favor by serving, by doing all these good things, by praying, maybe by reading your Bibles, going to church. What we're doing is we're trying, we're trying to exercise, uh, exercise ourselves to in, into God's favor. We're trying to exercise, exercise ourselves to health. Have you ever tried exercising while you are sick? Have you ever tried? How did it go? I remember I tried once, tried to work out while I was down with a fever, right? I lasted 10 minutes before collapsing on the ground, right? It doesn't work. When you are sick, you need treatment, right? You don't need exercise. Exercise usually makes things worse. It's only when you are well, it's only when you are healthy, then you can exercise, and only then can you become stronger. And so, we need to get this right, right? If you are sick in your sin, you need first the doctor called Jesus Christ to come and cure you, to bring you from sickness to health. And he does that by his sacrifice on the cross. It's only him and through him that we can experience the forgiveness, grace, favor, and love of God then once we are healthy, then we can start working out to become spiritually fit and strong. So today, I don't just want to present to you how to get spiritually healthy. I want to present to you how to get spiritually strong, how to get spiritually fit. And this is what Scripture describes as 
godliness or Christ-likeness, right? It's, this, it's, this when, it's when we, who we are and how we think and how we live reflects who Jesus is more and more. So the second truth that we need to consider and contend with is that godliness requires training. Godliness, Christ-likeness, requires training. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8 have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. This is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, a younger pastor. and saying, rather, train yourself for godliness. If you have, you're looking at your Bibles, if you've got your notes there in front of you on scc.live, you need to highlight that, you need to un- underline that. Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That word train, in in context, in that sentence, Paul is literally telling Timothy, he's instructing Timothy, he's commanding Timothy, you need to discipline yourself for godliness. That's what it means to train. Discipline yourself for godliness. You need to train, you need to work out, you need to exercise yourself for godliness. Godliness requires training. This is something that I often forget, even in my own life. Because see, what I often do is I try to be godly rather than train to be godly, and there's a huge difference. Let me put it this way. Okay, huge box right here, All right? You saw Seni bring out this box like it was nothing. Now, not all of us can be as strong as Seni. Now, imagine that this box was filled with sand, okay? Now it weighs like 20, 30 kilos. Now, my challenge to you is I want you to lift up this box, carry it down the stage and out the auditorium. Now, a lot of us, if I gave you that challenge, would give it a go. You'd give it a shot. You would try to carry this box out the auditorium. Now, how would that go? Depending on how strong you are, you might be able to lift it up a bit, right? Some of you guys are thinking, I can do that easy. Okay, you don't know how hard it is to carry this box, all right, if it's filled with sand. You need to carry it down those stairs, out the auditorium, you need to lift it, open those doors by yourself while carrying this box, okay? It's gonna be really hard work. And if you give it a shot, maybe, hey, maybe some of you, you can't even lift up this box, okay? So you, but you give it a shot. Anyway, you try to lift up the box. Now the problem with trying is that it's a pass or fail system. You either succeed or you fail. So many of you, you will try to lift up this box and you'll set it down again before reaching the auditorium, out the auditorium. And you go, well, I tried, but I failed. And this is often how we treat and how we approach godliness, right? We try to be godly. This is how it looks like. Imagine someone's hurt, someone hurts you and you try to forgive that person. How do you do this? Okay, so you, you muster all the love and compassion and grace that you have, right? The love of Christ. You meditate on the cross and go, okay, Christ has forgiven me. I should forgive this person. And so you release forgiveness to this person and maybe it works. Maybe you feel like you've actually let go and you've forgiven this person and you feel a lot better and you go, okay, I've forgiven this person, awesome. 
The next day, that person pops into your head for whatever reason and out of nowhere, all this anger comes surging back to the surface and you suddenly find yourself infuriated with this person again. But you lit, you ask yourself, didn't I just deal with this? I thought I just forgave this person. Clearly, I didn't. Clearly, I tried to forgive, but I have failed. Or maybe you try to be patient with your kids, your family member, your parent. You wake up in the morning and you go, I'm gonna try to be patient with them. So you pray to God, you muster all the compassion you have, all the patience that you have, and you start your day. The first altercation happens. And you go, I am going to exercise the grace of God over this person. So you release grace and you respond very wisely and calmly to this person and go, wow, awesome. I'm succeeding. This is great. I'm very patient with this person. Maybe the day goes by or the week goes by and suddenly something triggers. The straw breaks the camel's back and you lose it at this person. You snap and you lose your temper and you lament and go, oh my goodness. I thought I was doing so well. I was being so patient with this person, but clearly I'm not patient. Clearly I have failed. I'm not as patient as I thought I was. And what tends to happen is we get discouraged. You see yourself as a failure and oftentimes you give up. Now the problem with this tactic, the problem with this approach is that it's not even how scripture tells us to operate. We don't try to be godly. We need to train ourselves for godliness. Now, what's the difference? Okay, same challenge. Pick this box up, carry it down the stairs out of the auditorium. But now, you come with a different approach. You don't try, you train. So you still pick up this box, and maybe you get it, you can carry it for five seconds, all right, and you set the box down. But now, you have a training mindset. So what do you do? What do you do? You go home, and you join the gym. You start working out. You start lifting weights, right? You start getting stronger. Maybe you get your own box from Bunnings or wherever this box has gone. I don't know. Um, you, you get your own box and you start filling out with sand and you start practicing to lift it up and carrying it around the house, right? You start training. Now, the thing with training is that it takes longer. It takes more effort. It takes more discipline. But the results are eventually you will be able to carry this box down the stairs and out the auditorium. That's the difference, right? So when it comes to say forgiveness, right? How do you train yourself to forgiveness? Here's the thing. When that anger surges back again, seemingly out of nowhere, what is that, what is that telling you? It is highlighting to you how much more training your heart needs in forgiveness. Just like you picking up this box and being only to carry it, able to carry it five seconds. That, what that does is simply highlight to you your inability, your weakness, the amount that you need more training in. So when that anger surges back up again, what is that, that is simply highlighting to you is that your heart needs more training in forgiveness. So when the anger surges back again, what you need to do is don't beat yourself up of being a failure. No, you need to train your heart to forgive again. Therefore, release forgiveness again. 
And every time you choose obedience, you are training your heart towards godliness. Or say you try to be patient with your kids or your family member or your parents, right? When you snap and something triggers you and you lose it at them, you lose your temper, that is highlighting to you how much more training your heart needs towards godliness. Therefore, say sorry. Confess your sin. Confess your, that you lost your temper. Say sorry. And then exercise patience and grace. Again, every time you choose obedience, it's one step closer towards training your heart in godliness. We need to train ourselves towards godliness. And the two essential ingredients to effective spiritual training, just like physical training, right? You've got two ingredients to effective physical training. You've got good input and good output, right? If you eat healthy and you exercise healthy output, you get spiritually, you get physically strong. Same with spiritual fitness. Psalm 19 verse 14 says, let the words of my mouth, output, and the meditation of my heart, input, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The meditation of my heart, input, the nutrients that fuels our obedience is the Word of God empowered by the Holy Spirit. See, if you try to obey God without the Holy Spirit or without the Word of God, we will get tired and spiritually exhausted. You know, it's so sad when I hear and I meet people who have served in church for many years, faithfully, diligently, they have been the most hardworking people in church. Maybe they even served as leaders in church, but they end up burning out from ministry, leaving the church, and maybe even sometimes leaving the faith all together. And when you ask them, when you, have, when you have a chat with them, when you track their journey, you often find the first thing that goes when they're working hard for God is their relationship with God. What often happens is when they serve, 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 when you give, 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 when you obey and obey and obey, what's the first thing that often goes? It's our time with the Lord. It's our meditation of the heart. It's our study of His Word. It's sitting at His feet. Now, if you try to do that physically, if you keep working out and working out without taking the time to rest and eat and drink some water, what's gonna happen to you? You're gonna collapse. You're gonna faint. You are gonna die, okay? You are gonna die. And that's exactly what happens to us spiritually. We give, give, give. We work, work, work. And it's good. It's obedience. You are working out your faith. You are, you are serving the Lord. But you're not taking the time to actually have good, healthy spiritual input into your life. The Word of God, the meditation of your heart, the study of His Word, sitting at His feet, in His presence, allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you and fill you up regularly is your spiritual food. It's the source of your strength that gives you the ability to obey the Lord, to train in godliness. Therefore, maybe that's what we need to do today. We need to start now. We don't try to meditate on the Word of God. We need, maybe need to train ourselves to meditate and study the Word of God. Because if you've never done that before, or maybe you've had a hiatus in doing that, in spending time with the Lord, reading and sitting in His presence, right? It might be a little uncomfortable. In fact, it might be very foreign. It might be challenging 
for you. Is that normal? Of course it is, because it is training. You need to retrain yourself. You need to retrain your heart and mind to meditate and study and be at His feet. You know, um, I've ever heard people tell me, and even myself, I have experienced this too. When we try to give this a go, when we start a reading plan off or we try to start doing devotions again and we try, try, try and sometimes we fail, right? We, 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 there's a, we, maybe you tried this at the beginning of this year to start a reading plan and you went, I'm going to do this. I am going to have a regular habit in sitting at God's feet every single morning and it starts off well. It starts off well. But after a while, you, maybe you miss a day and you go, I missed it. I failed. Oh no. But you get a bit discouraged. But you know what? I'm going to try again. But this time, you maybe last a while, but then you start missing a day or two. Or maybe it's been a week. Maybe it's been a month. You know, you start getting more discouraged because you try harder and harder, but it doesn't seem to work. And in fact, maybe whenever you come before God, nothing seems to happen. It seems to be dry. It seems nothing seems to really happen in that time. And so you get discouraged and you give up. Let me ask you this. Have you ever eaten a steak and felt the protein surge into your muscles? Like you, after a workout, you go, you, you eat some healthy chicken breast and you go, man, I just feel the strength oozing to my body. Do you ever felt that? No, right? Because that's just not how it works, right? But why do you eat steak? Why do you eat that chicken breast? Why, why do you eat food? It's not to feel the strength surging back into your body. It's because you know that as you eat it, it's giving you strength, the nutrients to go and live your life, to go and work out, to go and exercise. And that's exactly what we do. That's exactly the reason why it's so important to spend that time meditating on the Word of God, studying His Word, allowing Him to fill us with His presence because that is the strength that we need to obey Him. That's the strength that we need to serve Him, to train ourselves in godliness. So where do you start? There's so many reading plans online, devotionals. If you've got the YouVersion app, there's so many there. Pick one, anyone, and start your training. Start your training, don't try. Train. Train your heart to sit at his feet again. Train your, maybe you have the tendency to, to get up and serve. I just want to do something. I just want to do something. And what you need to do is actually train your heart to actually pause and stop and sit at his feet to listen to your master. Then once we, as we meditate on him, as we have good spiritual input, then we need to also have Good spiritual output, words of my heart. Obedience, right? This is when the rubber meets the road and we put our faith into action. This is where we pick up the box and start carrying it out, the auditorium. This is when we start exercising compassion, generosity, love, patience, grace, right? Now, do we get it right all the time? No, that's why it's called training. That's why it's called training. You don't go to the gym and stack on 100 kilos onto the bench press and start lifting it up. You will die. It will crush you. That is why you need to train yourself to get stronger. 
You need to train yourself to get spiritually strong. And that's why the Bible is full of instructions of cast off everything that hinders you so you can run with perseverance this, this race that's set before you. Put off the things of the flesh. Live by the Spirit. Is carry your cross daily and follow me. You know that cross can feel heavy at times. But some of you, you need to set down that cross and you go, oh man, I, I failed at carrying my cross. You need to train yourself to carry that cross and follow Jesus. It takes training. It takes perseverance. It takes discipline. And this is what we need to do. Just as we do, don't become a bodybuilder with bulging biceps overnight. We don't become godly overnight. Now this is kind of embarrassing to admit, but you know, Sometimes I've, you know, when I have the hiatus of working out and going to the gym or lifting weights, right? I will lift weights or work out and then I will go in front of the mirror and, you know, inspect myself. And I'll go, oh, I think my biceps are a little bit bigger than they were before. I think my stomach's a little flatter. I think I see an ab. Not abs, ab. I see an ab. It wasn't there before, I don't think. Now, is that true? No, I'm just dehydrated, right? Just drink some water, that would disappear, right? Just because you were compassionate that day doesn't mean oh, suddenly I'm there. No, train yourself. Godliness takes time to build. The compassion, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that takes time to grow. Oftentimes we go, we try to be compassionate, we try to be gentle, and we fail. And we go, clearly I'm not. Because you're training. And, but over time, as you keep choosing obedience to God, as you keep exercising compassion, as you keep exercising kindness, self-control, love, over time, that exercise in compassion will start building compassion in you as you continue to practice love, you notice that your heart starts becoming more loving. But it takes training. It takes discipline. It takes practice. We need to train ourselves in godliness. Now here's the state of the church as I see it. Okay, there are three types of Christians, or there are three types of people right here in this very room that I want to address today. The first are those who feel discouraged. You feel discouraged. You feel like you have tried to be a good person. You tried to live up to God's standard, but you keep failing. Maybe you are the person that's very earnest and you began the year saying, I am going to work on this thing that has been plaguing me for the longest time. Maybe it's my habits. Maybe it's an addiction that you're struggling with. Maybe it's just your quiet time with God. Maybe it's a, a character issue. I'm going to deal with this. But you keep failing. Keep stumbling. And you try harder. But the harder you try, the more tired you become. And maybe you have given up. Or maybe you are on the verge of giving up. Maybe you think, you know what? Maybe this is just my thorn in my flesh. Right? This is just something that's going to always struggle with. I can't overcome this. I want to encourage you this morning. I think all you need is attitude change. All you need is a mindset shift. You need to approach it differently. Don't try to be godly. Begin your training again. 
every time you make a decision for obedience, you are training your spiritual muscles for godliness. You're getting stronger. Every time you say no to go to that site that you know you should be looking at, you are training your spiritual muscles for godliness. Every time you are patient and go, I'm going to be, I'm going to be quick to listen and slow to anger. That's you training your spiritual muscles for godliness. Right? Every time. So maybe some of you, you just need to start training yourself again. The second group of people are those who are unfit. Now, I don't mean sick. I mean unfit. Remember at the beginning, I made a distinction between those between spiritually sick and spiritually unfit. There is a difference. Just as people here, there are many of us who are well, who are healthy, but we wouldn't call ourselves fit. We wouldn't call ourselves strong, right? But we're healthy. In the same way, there can be those who are spiritually healthy, meaning you, Christ has saved you. You are alive. You're not dead in your sin. You are alive in Him but you're not very spiritually strong. And the danger is, particularly for those of us who are totally okay with it, you're happy, you're content with where you are. Let me ask you this question. Why do people decide to get physically fit or stronger? What are the reasons? I can think of three big reasons why people would decide to get, to get fit. One is to look good. Two is to feel good. Or three is to, because they have a goal. Okay, so let's go through the reasons together and see how compelling they are. One, to look good. I don't know about you, okay, but for me, I can only say personally, okay. For me, this was only compelling when I was single and I was looking for a life partner, okay. Probably because I was a bit insecure and all that stuff. I just wanted to look. Anyway, so, so that was the only time when that was really a compelling reason to get fit. Okay, I don't know about you, but for me, that was the case. Okay, to feel good. How compelling is that? Okay, to be honest, I, I, I know there are studies that show, you know, regular exercise, you know, boost your mental health and all that stuff. I mean, there are so many easier, faster, more convenient ways to feel good. Eat a chocolate. You're going to feel good. Watch a movie. You're gonna feel good pretty fast, right? And I know, I know it's not a healthy way, right? The healthier way is to feel better. But I mean, if you wanted the fast, easy way to get feel better, that's one way. It's not very compelling to me. What about the third reason? You have a goal. For me, I wonder if this is the most compelling reason. Some of you, you are planning to run in the HBF Run for a Reason, right? My guess is, if that's you, you're going to plan to run a half marathon or a marathon, you've already begun training months ago. You've begun training, you've begun running longer and longer distances. Now, let me ask you this, would you do that if you weren't going to run a half marathon or a marathon? I don't know, maybe you are, but most of you probably wouldn't. Now, why did you start running longer and longer distances? You were training yourself to compete in that race. Or maybe you are in a sports team. My guess is you have been training. You're involved in regular training or maybe you are quite fit, right? Unless you play something like, I don't know, golf. Um, <laughs> nothing against golf, I mean, but you're just walking around. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> no hate, right, against golf. But anyway, so, so, but my guess is you're pretty fit. 
you're, you're, you're involved in regular training. Because why? Because you have a reason to. You need to. There's actually a practical, functional reason for you to be strong, for you to train your body. Okay, so follow me in this logic. If you are spiritually healthy but unfit, then my guess is that you have forgotten your reason for being a Christian. You've forgotten your reason for being a Christian. Because I could tell you all about how in Christ you'll feel better. You'll be a better person, right? You'll feel better as a person, you'll look good. You'll feel good, right? But honestly, that's just appealing to your selfishness. The reason why Christ saved you, brought you out from the kingdom of darkness and into His kingdom is not to be a civilian, just chill out in safety, is to be a soldier. Right? He didn't save you to be a civilian, He saved you to be a soldier, to be a warrior that goes into the kingdom of darkness to rescue more people and train them up so that they can be soldiers as well. That's why He saved you. Or let's use, let's say He's a doctor. Jesus Christ didn't cure you of your sickness of sin so that you can just become, to go on your merry way, living your life. He cured you so that he could add you onto his hospital staff and become a doctor that goes and helps sick people that need him. But what we have in church is we have a lot of doctors with their white coats on sitting around the waiting room that have no idea how to help anyone. You know, when I was um, training to be an engineer, I, um, I would go to career days, right? And you would see a lot of different companies that would try to get you to join them and work for them. And one of them I remember was the Australian Army. And back then, you know, and they would offer great perks, right? They would offer to pay for your studies fully and they would secure you a job for many years, right? Perks were great. Um, and honestly, I was actually seriously considering joining the Australian Army, right? Back then, I was single and all that stuff, you know, so I had no commitments and that kind of thing. So I was seriously thinking of joining the Australian Army because the perks were great. But you know the one thing that got me to decide against joining the Australian Army was that I was worried that if I joined the Army as an engineer, I may be sent to fight in a battle. Now, I don't know if that's actually how it works, but see, Australia back then was fighting a war somewhere around the world, and I was actually seriously worried that if I was joining the army, I may be sent to fight in a war. And I wasn't prepared to do that. I just wanted the perks. Just pay for my studies. Give me a job. I don't want to fight in a war. And I wonder if maybe some of us, we became a Christian. We said yes to Jesus for the perks, but we didn't realize what he was calling us to do. See, the perks are great in the kingdom of God. Blessings, eternal life. Jesus Christ lives in you through the Holy Spirit. Perks are awesome. But when you join the kingdom of God, you are joining an army. And guess what? This army is already fighting a war. It's already engaged in battle against evil against the forces of darkness all around the world. Church, you just heard a testimony of people engaging in that battle. 
and darkness, evil, is not an abstract concept. It's very real. And it manifests itself in many different ways. In our world, how does it manifest? Drugs, poverty, abuse, neglect. That's how it manifests itself. But we know we're not tackling, we're not fighting against poverty, just poverty. We're not just fighting against abuse. We're fighting against the spiritual forces behind that abuse, behind that poverty, behind the drugs. As Ephesians 6, verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the authorities of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is what we're fighting against. But church, that is why we need you. We need all of us to start training ourselves to fight this war. Because if you are a doctor without training, how much good are you gonna be to help any sick person? You're gonna be no help to anyone. If you are a soldier that's unfit, you can't even run 100 meters without getting huff and puff. How much good are you gonna be engaging in a war against real darkness in your communities, in your families, in your schools, in your families? How much good are you gonna be? No good. You're dead weight. That is why it is so important that we, we get spiritually strong. We don't just be satisfied with being healthy. We must be dissatisfied with just being healthy. We must train ourselves for godliness because only the spiritually strong that can really, truly help and engage in fierce spiritual wars that are raging around the world. Now, I'm not saying that if you are a new Christian, you, can know, you are no use to the Lord. I'm not saying that, please. Rather, I am talking to those believers who are sitting there and you're going, I am saved by grace, amen, praise the Lord. That's what's for lunch. I'm talking to you <laughs> because you have forgotten who you are. You're not a patient, you're a doctor, you're not a civilian, you're a soldier. And you need to start training again. You need to start training again because that is the reason why Jesus saved you. That's why he brought you from the kingdom of darkness and into his light so that you could rescue more people. Therefore, train ourselves for godliness, not just to look good or feel good, but to fight for good. And the third group. <clears throat> and the third group of people that may be here are those who are sick. You're sick. Maybe you didn't realize it before but you are actually sick. You maybe have been doing good stuff, but today you realize that that's not good enough. You're like a toddler or young child trying to clean yourself up, but you can't truly clean yourself. Only Jesus can clean you, and you want that today. You want Him to come and forgive your sins, clean you up, and truly cure you from, your, from the sickness of sin that plagues you. Now, if you say yes to Jesus, what you're doing is not just saying yes to being healed, you're saying yes to becoming a, doc becoming a doctor. You're not saying yes to be freed from evil, you're saying yes to freeing others from evil. That's what you're committing to. 
I want you to be so clear about what you're getting yourself into because that's what Jesus did. Count the cost. Because when you say yes to me, you're saying yes to follow me and he went to the cross. He died. And that's what he's leading us to today. Come, let's stand. Let's stand. So if that's you, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, every head bowed, every eyes closed, no one looking around. If you realize that you are sick and you need a doctor to come and heal you, you need Jesus to come and forgive you your sins. Can you just lift up your hand nice and high? And I would love to pray for you. If that's you, lift up your hand nice and high. And I would love to pray for you. I see the hand over my left, up the back. Is there anyone else? Look around. Just lift up your hand nice and high. And I will know to pray for you. I see that hand up the back. Is there anyone? I see the hand up the back. Is there anyone else? No one looking around. This is your decision. And you're making it before God. Anyone else? I see the hands down the front. Is there anyone else? You need a doctor to come and heal you and has healed you and his name is Jesus. See the hand? Okay. Allow me to pray for you. And as I pray, make this your prayer. And church, even if you're not praying this prayer, can you pray this with me in support of them? Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I recognize there is sin in me that I cannot clean. But you can. So Jesus, come and forgive me and clean me. You are my Lord. I will follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, yeah, awesome. Let's give them a huge round of applause. If that was the first time you prayed that prayer, or you just, if you lifted up your hand, I need to talk with you. I need to. Because again, you didn't just say yes to become a civilian. You said yes to become a soldier. And to become a soldier, you need training. I want to talk to you about what that looks like. Down here in the front. Come, after service, I need to talk to you. It's imperative I talk to you, okay? So if you said that prayer, especially for the first time, I'll meet you down here, okay? Now, for the rest of us, as we sing this song, I think this needs to be a time of personal response to the Lord. That if you are here and you recognize, you know what, I've actually forgotten why I'm a Christian. I need to be, I need to start training myself again. If that is you, I actually want to pray for you before we, um, before we sing this song. So if that is you, or maybe you're discouraged and you've actually given up, right? You think yourself as a failure, but you know what? You want to, today, get back into training in godliness. If that is you, just lift up your hands just before the Lord, just a sign of surrender, and I just want to pray for you, okay? Just lift up your hands just like this as a sign of surrender to God, Now I want to pray for you, okay? Lord Jesus, Oh Lord, you have created a bride. That's beautiful. You've called a church that is your army of light 
that's come to liberate the world from darkness, evil, sin. Oh Lord, I pray, raise up this army so that it is strong, so that it is mighty, so that it's filled with people, soldiers that are fighting fit, filled with the, put on the, arm, put on the armor of God so that they'll be strong and able to, to, to go into the communities, go into their neighborhoods, go into the families, go into the schools, to, to start pushing back darkness and bring your light and life into those dark places. Oh God, I pray, may they get back into training in Jesus' name. And I pray that if they're making that decision today, if they're responding like that today, you can see it. You see the heart, the Holy Spirit, come and seal that in their hearts, that today their training starts. Today, they're gonna go home and start going to the spiritual gym and start their training in godliness again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.